great day, amazing human. Welcome to the Empowered In My Skin podcast, where our mission is to help 1 billion people in this world think in more empowering ways. Empower humans, empower humans. So you are in the right spot to become a lead domino for empowerment today. My name is Inke Chi. I'm not only your host, but I am a vibrant optimist obsessed to bring you empowering content with each episode. We will be bringing you content alternating between longer episodes with feature guests and shorter episodes called Empowering Bites, where I'll be joined by my co-host, Gabby Mamone. So if you're ready, let the show begin. Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to the next episode of Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. My next guest is an extraordinary individual whose unwavering resilience and passion for change have made her a powerful advocate in her community. Her journey through foster care marked by adversity and challenges has shaped her into a beacon of strength and compassion. Despite facing emotional and physical abuse, she refused to let her spirit be broken. Now at 28, she bagged a social work degree driven by her mission to support and empower children in foster care. And very recently, she accepted her admission to University of Victoria's Law School. Her unwavering commitment to Indigenous rights and her profound understanding of the flaws within Canadian systems have made her a vital voice for change. Through her work... As an Indigenous peer mentor and as a youth practitioner at Marymount School, she has forged connections and provided support to those who need it the most. Today, here with me, she will be sharing her inspiring story, shedding light on the importance of resilience and compassion and the urgent need for systemic reform. Join us as we delve into her remarkable journey as an advocate dedicated to creating a brighter future for her vulnerable community. I trust that you are as excited as I am to learn more about our guests. So please join me in a big podcast welcome for Darlene Keeper. Yes. Hey, Darlene. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much uh, for having me on the show. And I'm very excited to to hear what you have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to be listening to you. But uh, thank you for saying yes. So I'm going to start you off with a very easy question. So what was what has been your most empowered thought that you've had today so far? Today. Um I, I you know I was listening to a few of your a few of the other podcasts and I, I realized that this was one of those questions and I was like, <laughs> oh I, I better have a thought this day. Um but you know, I guess it's like for me, just having faith that you can do this. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds simple, but yeah. like you've done it before and just, you know, you're going to get better with practice. Yeah. So just keep, keep doing it. I love <laughs> it. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. It's so funny. I, and you know, it's, it's, it's actually, you say it's so simple, but it's not what a lot of people do, right? A lot of people freak out. They get nervous, get anxious. They think all of the, that they're actually not prepared. So that is very empowering. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So can you share with us some of the significant moments or experiences in your journey through the foster care that has really shaped your determination that I spoke about, you know, um, and to advocate for children in similar situations? Well, I guess I would start um, just with the challenges in 
recognizing the experiences that youth in care um, have. And the second part of that would be just understanding what those experiences mm-hmm. are. Like I, like a lot of uh, my readings are from Brene Brown and mm-hmm. she has a wealth of knowledge um, among many others. But one of the recent readings that I had was talking about um, not having that ability to express your emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was one of the biggest challenges that I had while living in care and you know I think a lot of that too was just being in being invisible and not being able to be heard and just kind of that feeling of like you know um of of not being valued Mm -hmm. and um a lot of the the readings that I've learned throughout my social work degree has has allowed me to to gain that language to to start to understand everything that had happened when I was um you know a young girl and after I aged out of care like I didn't have this language at all and I and I started to internalize these narratives that you know my foster parents instilled in me you know what society instilled with Mm. me and all of that surrounding just the shame of you know who I am as a, as an individual um and not only that but like my collective identity you know with my indigenous community mm-hmm. as well and so i spent let's say almost like a like a decade of mm-hmm. finding out who i was mm-hmm. and i think that is the most important thing that when a child is removed from their own family that identity is the is the first and foremost goal for children that are living in different homes, especially, you know, transracial homes that mm. don't particularly, you know, know where they come from. And yeah, I don't know. Should I, should I go on? No, that's great. No, no. I, I mean, there's so many different questions I have coming up. So you talked about, well, I, you know, I want, before I ask my next question, um, just to double click a little bit more on you is what, who, how did you go about finding who you are and how would you describe who you are now? Well, I began the, the, the process of discovery mm. and which most of that is with my cultural identity. And so like I learned my spirit name, mm-hmm. which I've learned is, is your inherent gift or your strength. And so when I think about that as a child, like, like you know, my spirit name is Zongewadam. And so what that means is a strong voice mm-hmm. and you know, not being heard or, you know, being silenced as a child just goes against every part of my being is what I've learned. And I really struggled with that. And so once I, once I, you know, received my name, I started to think about like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? And one of the turning points, I guess I would say is when, you know, one of my mentors had mentioned to me, all of, all of the internal dialogue that I have Mm -hmm. can shape my life. Mm -hmm. And do I want to continuously, you know, label my experiences as negative or do I want to learn any lessons or wisdom that is within that and then so I started to change my inner dialogue 
to more positive things. Mm-hmm. And that was the first first time I thought of, you know, um, my my cultural identity as proof, I guess you would make, but, yeah. you know, um, yeah. That's really beautiful. And uh, can you spell your spirit name? Uh, Z-O-N-G-E-W-I apostrophe B-A-M. B-A-M. And, and pronounce it one more time. Zongewidam. Wow, that's beautiful. Strong voice, indeed. And so now <laughs> if, we, if we start to take the, some of those personal experiences you, and flaws that you've actually had in the, fo- in the foster system that really started to, you know, um, obviously the language that was probably spoken to you based on the story that you're sharing wasn't positive language, right? The, what you internalized, right? So how have you taken that or, you know, used those experiences or how have they Im- influenced your perspective on the changes needed to better support and empower children in care? Because I do know till this day, there's still some of those same, you know, abuses happening. Yeah. Um, I might say simpli- simplistically. Oh, that's um, as simplistic. Never as mind simplistically. about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hold on, why do you say? How do I say that word? Simplistically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, language. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, but um, let's see. I think while it all comes down to self-empowerment mm-hmm. you know and having agency for yourself and you know challenging these n- narratives that are not your own mm-hmm. like you know when I think about everything that was negative in my early years they were always told by other people mm. they were told by the students in school by my foster parents by my everybody that was around me would tell me that you know I didn't belong mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't want to get into, you know, some of the derogatory terms about being indigenous, but just, uh, labeling and all these negative stereotypes. And, you know, what hurt the most was the, the dialogue that was used to address my own family, you know, Mm -hmm. and to be isolated from my entire family. And then to be in this new family that just completely denigrated, Mm -hmm. Uh, where I came from, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's tough. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing because that's not easy. (laughs) And, um, do you feel a bit of those memories coming forward right now? No, I just, um, well, I don't know. You asked me, you know, what sorts of challenges there were, you know, and, I really don't like to share these kind of negative stories. Like I try to focus like more with a strengths-based approach, but you know, in my uh, early, early um, adulthood, I would always be told that talking about these experiences, you know, made other people feel uncomfortable and that, uh, you know, I don't know what I was trying to elicit, like if they wanted like a pity party and just like kind of really shame me for, you know, trying to share what happened. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just like leaned away from that. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to like, you know, the actual experiences itself, I, I've done a lot of inner healing and 
you know, when I think back, like, I've done a lot of healing and that person isn't me. And I think that was the the biggest challenge of all was to find out who I was Mm. and to separate myself from who other people thought. Yeah. So the one thing I'm going to say is thank you. Thank you for doing that work because it's led you to being here. And this podcast is all, is all on a mission to finding at least a billion people in this world that think in empowering ways and getting their stories out there so that they can help be a lead domino for empowerment for others, right? Because empowered people empower people. So you're doing the work and, and it's being seen, you know, and being honored. And I love it. So, you know, um, as an Indigenous peer mentor and youth practitioner, you've worked directly with youth in care. And so what are some of the common challenges they face um, that you can give voice to? And how do you believe the system can address these challenges more effectively? You know, a lot of my research in, in uh, university has been geared towards youth in care. Mm-hmm. And mainly because of all the, the the one-on-one experiences that I've had with youth in mm-hmm. care and, you know, aside from, you know, their identity and their self-esteem and self-worth, you know, that was first and foremost. But another piece that I feel like a lot of people, you know, might not focus in on is the education piece mm-hmm. and how important education has been for me in my life and why I say that again kind of stems back to that language piece and being able to advocate for yourself mm-hmm. and to make sense of 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 your life mm-hmm. and and you know it's it, it kind of shocks yeah. me how a child can be put into a home and then not have any explanation mm-hmm. not not to to be told anything you know you think that aside from these negative narratives that might be imposed on them you think that maybe there should be at least some story mm-hmm. for why this child is in this home and any any sort of piece mm-hmm. of that um and and another aspect of education is when i would um work with these youth a lot of the common experiences was feeling isolated in school, rejected, you know, and not only by the students, by the teachers, they would, they would be made to feel inadequate. Like, Mm -hmm. how come you don't know this? And then I thought about, you know, my experiences in high school and all the school too. And just, just being isolated Mm -hmm. essentially is the common feeling that I recognize not only in my life, but, with other youth. And I like the fact that you actually, I was going to be going there next is really just to touch on that education, because I know that that has played such a big and pivotal role in your personal transformation. And so how do you envision improving um, like the educational opportunities and support for indigenous youth in, in, you know, to really start to break some of the cycles of this generational trauma? Well, I just, that is a very... Big question? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Can we break it down a bit? What do you think might be some of the, like, if you, if, like, where, like, even myself, like, what, what, what would be, 
sometimes I think we, we tiptoe on stuff and then therefore we're not really making radical, meaningful, sustainable change. And so what are some of the big, bold changes that we need to really double down and, and actually just get serious about making? Well, I think that our education system in general needs to change. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we need to have more forces that speak about the social aspects of our life. Mm. You know, we like, for example, a lot of the knowledge that I've learned in social work, you know, on racism, mental health, you know, uh, self-awareness. Mm-hmm. These are just a few examples, but like, I don't recall ever learning. No, of, we don't. We of they any do of not these teach people. School. They do not teach people in school how to be human. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. Humans, human, human skills. <laughs> they do not teach human skills. No. I think that you know that is the one piece that can be included in school. Like for example, in my uh, so uh, I'm Anisha Anishinaabe Kwe, so okay. that's uh, Ojibwe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I've learned is the medicine wheel and the four aspects of yourself. And so when I think about applying that to a school system, I feel like that would be a lot more beneficial to include, you know, the emotional aspects mm-hmm. of education. Um, I think that would allow more students to be able to express themselves. And I think that would also be a learning opportunity for students, you know, that bully or, mm-hmm you know, denigrate their peers. I just, I think that is really important. I love that. What else? Anything else come to mind? Um, well, you know, for, for youth in care that tend to move a lot of, move, uh, a lot. And I think, I don't know, I don't quite have a solution, but Mm -hmm. there is a problem of having that consistency Mm -hmm. in your school. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you, if let's say if you're starting grade 10, like many students have already had their clicks Mm -hmm. and you're already feeling isolated in your new home. And then you come to school and you don't have any friends. And so you further feel isolated. Um, and then another, uh, piece of that too is, having hope or motivation like when I was in high school I didn't I didn't really think that university was a place for me Mm. you know I didn't know of any other indigenous well particularly youth in care students that ever attended post-secondary um and I think it was really hard too with being the only first generation Mm -hmm. to graduate Mm -hmm. and just not really having anybody to look up to um so maybe that is an, an, an opportunity to maybe include some of that discourse in, in high school topics, you know, when we're talking about history. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, when I was in my history class, oh, keep in mind, this is like, you know, 12, 13 years ago, um, my teacher had asked me to do my paper on my family history rather than doing a back you know aboriginal history topic that the mm-hmm. rest of the students uh Lasting. had to do and then he turned to me and said it was you can do this on your family and for one in front of the whole class and then secondly i was thinking i'm like my family you know i've i've lived in care for majority of my life i'm like okay 
but yeah, Ignorant. So, I wasn't too happy with yeah, that, by no. the way. <laughs> I was just gonna, you know, I think what touched me, like, when I think profoundly, you said the first of your, like, in, to go to, to go to post-secondary, and I know I read your age in your bio, and so you're very young, you know, and, um, and that really, that really just indicates just how much more, how much, how much work there's still left to do, right? And, um, and so you also talked about, and I love storytelling. I mean, that's why I got into podcasts. I think I love hunting for people that have stories to tell. And, um, and one of the things that you said that I was just like, it just pains me when people say, don't tell your story because it's like, are you trying to elicit, you know, sympathy or this, any other when it's versus is no, tell your story, you know, and let's, I want to hear your story. And so, how do we how can we ensure that indigenous voices and perspectives are heard and amplified and truly respected in our Canadian system and landscape? Or are you finding there's an increase in that, like increase in that opportunity? Uh yes, of course there has been a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. I would say even in the past two years mm-hmm. that I've noticed mm-hmm. rather than like, you know, there are a lot of many leaders that have done work. I recognize that. However, I was not aware of it mm-hmm. in, in, you know, my generation or in, in my own social circle, I just didn't really know what was going on, mm-hmm. but um Forgive me. I forgot the question. No. <laughs> no, it's really about what are the avenues? Where where do the where do where do the voices need to be amplified and and where do these perspectives need to be heard? And where where is it not enough? Like is it not enough in the news? Uh, you know, it, do we need like what what are your thoughts there? I think in academia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um why I say that is just again, in my experiences, I always find that my culture is not recognized or validated mm-hmm. or, you know, there's just always some sort of no truth to it. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to, to believe in your identity when the rest of the world tells you that it's fake mm-hmm. or it's not real. And you know, it's different now because I, I'm starting to come into my own and my spirituality. But like even yesterday, I was at the library and uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, is Richard Wagamese, and he's an indigenous author. And he speaks about his, his life and his experiences. And, you know, he's an elder. And so he, uh, he shares a lot of wisdom as well through his experiences. And so for me, that is truth. Mm. And so I asked the librarian, I, I, I said, you know, I scoured the entire nonfiction and I couldn't find Wagamese. And so she said to me, oh, that we have him, but he's in the fiction section. And I was like, but, he's, it's true. but why would he be in the fiction section? Because he's, he's you know, anyways. That's another one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sorry, did you get, did you actually I, get an answer as to why it would be in fiction? She, she denied what yeah. I was saying. She just said, the, well, she just reaffirmed, no, they're fiction. So mm. like, I'm just not, mm. 
there are moments in time where you have to decide, like, is it worth fighting mm-hmm. for or mm-hmm. is it better just to maintain peace? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just left it. So with peace's, but, um, pro- with peace's progress, and leads me to my next question about the look ahead. And maybe perhaps you could share on some of your goals and aspirations in terms of like continuing to advocate for the vulnerable communities and, you know, just really creating a brighter future, which I, I believe that you've really done for yourself. And, uh, and I, I could, it can only continue to empower more people because you, one thing you said about being the only, you know, I actually can understand that. And, um, and for whatever reason you, managed to forge ahead without actually seeing someone that looked like you. And now you're creating that opportunity for others to look at you and actually strive to do, to actually get there a little bit quicker and with a little bit less struggle. So that's, uh, that's very powerful. So what, what else, or what are some of your other ideas for continuing to create such a bright future and make, and continue to make a difference? You know, what I've learned is that, it all begins with yourself. Mm. Um, and so I think that I would like to help other youth in care empower themselves mm-hmm. and then also share with them that to, to, to heal their families and to heal their communities, it all starts with you, mm. you know? And, and I feel like what I've learned is that all, that is our main responsibility is to, is to heal ourselves and then through that, you know, learn what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then use your gifts to fulfill your purpose mm-hmm. for your community. Mm-hmm. But you can't do any of that if you don't know who you are. Yeah, starts with you. And a part of that, too, is I think that one of my dreams is to bring back, you know, my culture and my community because it's... I, I didn't grow up with any of that whenever I would visit in the community and it's still not present. Like, you know, I think in the past year, maybe they've started to incorporate like other um, uh, community members to come to my, to my specific community. Like for example, um, uh, sweat lodges or uh, powwows and, you know, spirit names and all of that, mm-hmm. all of those pieces, you know, and, Eventually, well, this is why I'm going to UVic uh, Law School is because they offer a program that is specific to Indigenous legal orders. Mm-hmm. And what I've come to learn is, um, so I had mentioned the spirit name, and then so your clan name represents your role or responsibility for your community. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it's, I guess in a way, it's it's the Indigenous governance mm-hmm. of how. Um, the leaders are supposed to conduct themselves and their community, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, right now, I just, it, there are people that don't have the strengths to be leaders. And there are also people that are doing other responsibilities that are not adhering to their own strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's all based on election, but I think that if we brought back our culture, we can start to see a lot more healing. Are you, um, what is your clan? Are you able to share what your clan name is? Um, I am the Eagle clan. 
And that signifies, or can you talk a little bit more about um, Okay, I, I'm just going to correct myself. Uh, one of my friends had told me that maybe I shouldn't always be so open to share my clan okay. and that I should just say Eagle Clan because okay. it's a lot more, I guess maybe that's something that I can share readily with anybody, but I don't know actually specifically what eagle okay. clan is no, so no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. So like, but no, no okay Being entirely true so in in this world it's eagle clan but my actual clan is the thunderbird clan which represents the spiritual being of the eagle in the physical world mm. so i guess what i've learned is that it's just um is a messenger mm-hmm. um that i guess my faith is so strong, you know, with praying and just having hope and courage and just, I don't know how to describe it. It's very spiritual, but I just, I think that I am meant to share, you know, the teachings that I've learned in my experiences for, you know, maybe any other youth in care that might be hearing it can can, you know, gain any sort of wisdom that they want to apply to their life or, you know, toolkit and also to, 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 to bring awareness to how important it is to, to know your identity, which all stems from, you know, your, your spirit name, your clan name, and how you're going to use all of that for the future. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing. So I'm going to uh, take you through some rapid thrivers. Uh, when you think of someone who inspires you, who comes first to mind? Inspires me? Uh, Oprah Winfrey. Okay. I love that. <laughs> I love Oprah. <laughs> um, yeah. What is a daily activity that helps you with your thrive? I do a lot of journaling. I like to uh, self-reflect and plan for the future. End of the day or beginning of the day or doesn't matter? Whenever I can fit it in. Get it in, okay. (laughs) What is a book that has helped you with your thrive? Um, I would say The Path Made Clear. Oh, by I, Oprah yeah, Winfrey. Yeah, I, I actually have to read that. I've read, uh, I read a number of her other books. There's one that she did that was, I can't remember the name now, but it was about, um, about like, um, um, our identities as, as children. Our, what, um, what happened to yeah, you? Yeah, what happened to you? Oh, my gosh. Oh, was, I love that book. Uh, she wrote it with a doctor. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Bo- Bill or Bob or something. Yeah. Dr. Yeah, Bruce Perry. Uh, Bruce Perry. That was it. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is an app that helps you with your thrive or empowers you? Uh, CoStar. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is it? It's a it's a birth chart app, and it just sends you little reminders about you know just it's it's like a daily check in just to oh. make sure that you know any sort of confusion I might have that day. Let's check out where the planets are. Oh, I like that. It's called CoStar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that actually, that's a great name. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. And what is one misconception that people have of you as they see you, you know, thriving and moving through life? 
Um, I am very assertive. <laughs> and you're not? Oh, no, I just, um, well, for sure I am, yeah. <laughs> but I just, I, I don't really like the the connotations that are associated with assertiveness. Oh, oh like really? That, like, okay. Yeah, sometimes I guess as women too, it could be. Exactly. Uh, right. They, they suddenly you're bossy <laughs> or you're aggressive or this, any other, but I, I say I'm, I'm really passionate about the things I believe in and I will courageously assert myself to be heard and to be seen and not necessarily to be seen, but to be heard, you know? Yeah. I love that. And uh, so I have one final question for you that I think you're going to rock the answer. So this podcast is called empowered in my skin. And I'd love to know what that means to you. I uh, have a lot of in like self empowerment quotes that I've gathered, you know, throughout my journey from you know many other powerful leaders, and I say that the biggest one is what I've learned from. Martin Luther King Jr., where he speaks about power. Mm -hmm. And so why I'm, why I'm going to share this uh, quote is because for me, I was always scared to have power because I was like, well, I don't want to I don't want to dominate over anybody. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like power, like empower, you know, and so I struggle with that. And then I and I read this quote, and it said that to have power means to, to achieve purpose and to affect change. Oof. And so it all kind of stems yeah. down to, you know, you're having your identity mm -hmm. and using that for the better betterment of your community. Mm -hmm. You know, when you said that, um, in which you thought like what you, how you can perceive power reminds me of this other quote that I love, which is our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Yeah. And it's our light, not no. our darkness that most frightens us. Yeah. It's uh, Marion Williamson. It's from the book, A Return to Love. So love that quote. Well, Darlene, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing energy with me. I appreciate it. And for everyone that uh, she's on a different time zone, you want to, I forgot to ask, I forgot to mention where you're calling in from. You want to tell the listeners? I am calling from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yeah, <laughs> Winnipeg. How's the, weather, how's the weather out there? It's actually surprisingly cool oh it's cool. i don't know what's going on with, with this the summer weather. right i woke up this morning i was like yeah. are we in fall like did we fast forward to like <laughs> like yeah. september or october i was like ah i'm actually gonna head outside because i realized tomorrow in the toronto is supposed to be raining so this might be the one sunny day of the one sunny evening <laughs> of the weekend yeah well darlene thank you so much thank you so much for sharing energy with me i'm really really excited to get your story out there and i look forward i look forward to all of the feedback that we're going to get from your episode so thank you and uh keep keep rising thank you so much and thank you for uh sharing your space with me today i love it bye everyone and to everyone that's <laughs> listening that's where we have to say we're out bye-bye there you have it i trust you are feeling more empowered in your skin. As the late Dr. Maya Angelou said, when you get, you give, when you learn, you teach. So it would mean so much for us at EIMS if you would share this episode and tag us or teach an insight that you took from today's episode on your socials and 
tag us. Feel free to leave us a review over at iTunes and follow us on social media at Empower to My Skin. Finally, remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you soon.